In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus is much like the story we heard last week from the Gospel of John. In that story, we heard that the disciples were locked in a room, they were scared over the events that had happened the previous days, and they were confused about what the empty tomb of Jesus might mean. And so here we have two disciples who were walking away from Jerusalem, and we pick up the disappointment in their voice. They said to the unrecognized Christ who was walking with them, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. In other words, they believed that because Christ was betrayed and crucified, he was in fact not the one to redeem Israel. He was seemingly just another good man, another good prophet in Israel's history, but they believed because of the cross, there is no way that he could be the true Messiah. They have no idea at that point what the cross means. But what's also interesting about these disciples is that they have also heard the report that the tomb of Jesus was empty and that the angels had told women that Jesus was alive. They even said that they were astounded by it. The news of the empty tomb, the proclamation of the angels, and the report they heard about it amazed them and they did not know what to think. But like the disciples in the locked room, I have to believe that these disciples are afraid. These are the men who celebrated Jesus on Palm Sunday, who shouted out hosannas, who proclaimed him to be the coming king, all before his crucifixion, and clearly they had high hopes for what Jesus was going to do. But like the others, when Jesus was crucified, they thought it was all over, and they ran away in despair. And so now that the Sabbath day or Saturday is over and it's the first day of the week, they're getting out of Dodge. And that's an important detail. They've been told by the women in the group that the angels have said Jesus is alive. The tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. But they're not sticking around to find out. All right, if they were good disciples, it seems like they should remember what Jesus had taught, that he was going to be raised on the third day. And so I think we can conclude that Maybe they're a little bit afraid. Because if Jesus is alive, if he is risen, what does it mean for these men? These were the ones who were not by Jesus' side on Good Friday. Rather, these were the ones watching from afar in disappointment, trying not to be seen, trying not to be outed as Jesus' disciples. And so like the disciples in the locked room, if Christ has risen, then surely they will sit and be judged. And so they pack up their things and they try to flee the scene. They try to get out of Jerusalem, the scene of their betrayal, the scene of their crime, because they believe if Jesus had risen, had risen, if the women are right, then surely for them it's going to be better just to get out of the way. It's better to be out of Jesus' sight because this risen king is not going to give them any kind of place in his kingdom. And so they pack up all their disappointment, they pack up all their sins, their shame of betraying Christ, and they walk away. They walk away from Jerusalem, they walk away from the scene of the crime, but most importantly, they walk away from the empty tomb. And in their minds, they are walking away from Jesus. They figure it's time 
to open a new chapter in their life. The story of being Jesus' disciple is over for them. They are betrayers, they are cowards. It's time for them to move on because surely Jesus will never have anything to do with them. And so because they're walking away, their eyes are prevented from seeing the risen Christ who stands right next to them. They look inward. They're aware of their disappointment. They see their disappointment. They see their dreams that never came to fruition. They see circumstances not as they had planned them. They see their own failures and their own disappointments. And that is the definition of faithlessness. It's the definition of sin. Our sin nature is sometimes defined by the Latin phrase, incurvituse, which means turn in on itself. And our sin nature is that. It only looks inward. It looks inward and sees our fallenness, but it never looks out and trusts God's word that is external. And that's what's going on with these disciples. They don't look back to Jesus' word. They don't look to the empty tomb in hope. They just look inward and see their sin and disappointment. And so I wonder if that sounds familiar to you. Do you ever look at yourself in your life and see disappointment? Do you look inward and see sin? Do you look at your life and think it wasn't supposed to go like this and feel just a little bit of disappointment? Do you ever ruminate on your failures, the times you have hurt others, the times you have acted less than virtuously, the times you have been a disappointment, or the times that you have been disappointed, and so on. Because in that disappointment, these disciples on the road to Emmaus are trying to flee Jesus. They're trying to walk away from the empty tomb. And there are times in our lives where we try to walk away from Jesus as well. We think, Jesus does not want me after this mistake. Jesus would never want a failure like me. I have nothing to offer. Surely I disappoint God over and over, and we are tempted to just walk away. And sometimes we do. Sometimes we stop praying, we stop coming to church, we stop reading scripture, and we take our own walk to Emmaus away from Jerusalem. But what happens on Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, is that Christ will not let us walk away. Just as he does not let us lock doors to keep him away, Instead, he's always there with us. We cannot drive him away with our sins and failures. Instead, he is always there, giving us his word of forgiveness. And so with these disciples, when Jesus begins to open the Old Testament to them, what is he doing but preaching to them? Specifically, he is showing them in God's word that their sins are forgiven. He is showing them what it means for the Messiah to suffer and enter into glory. This means that he is showing them what his suffering was all about. Jesus preaches to these disciples about the cross that they did not understand, and he shows them that this cross was all about the forgiveness of their sins. As we hear in the prophet Isaiah, God laid the iniquity of us all on the Messiah. And this is what he preaches to these men. It's also what he preaches to us. Your sins, your failures, your disappointments, your shame, they're all laid on the Messiah at the cross. He takes them for you and from you. And Jesus isn't raised on Easter to condemn you, but to forgive you. And so once the disciples receive that word, 
then they're able to see just exactly who Christ is. They no longer believe that Christ would raise from the grave to shame and judge them, but they see that Jesus has risen to forgive them. With that faith, they're able to look inward, they're able to stop looking inward at their sin, they're able to stop being curved in on themselves, and they're able to receive the word of Christ, which is forgiveness. And that's when the miracle happens. Because when they are given faith, they're able to see that it is Christ who is with them, Christ who has forgiven them, Christ who will not let them run away. And that's what the breaking of the bread shows us. Christ is willing to fellowship with those who betrayed him. He sits down and eats with sinners, even the worst of sinners who abandon him on Good Friday, even the ones who we would consider an enemy, ones who would abandon us, who would betray us. Jesus sits down and eats with them, fellowships with them, and forgives them. And so for you this morning, this means also that Christ sits down in fellowship with you. No matter what your sins are, he forgives you. You don't have to walk the road out of Jerusalem in shame and disappointment. You don't have to be scared that the risen Christ will come for you in judgment and expel you from his kingdom. Instead, Christ says to you, you are forgiven and that he is with you. And that's precisely what happens at communion. Christ is telling us in a very physical way, I am sitting down in fellowship with you. I am breaking bread with you. I give you my peace and my forgiveness. And what good news that is. Jesus is with you. You cannot scare him away. You cannot run away from him. You can't lock yourself away from him. At your worst, at your very worst moment, there Jesus is doggedly telling you, you are forgiven. He is saying, I will not give up on you. I will not leave you alone. Instead, I will always be at the table with you. He has risen for you. He has risen for your forgiveness. He is with you. Amen.